Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning, and welcome to Heathervale Baptist Church. Um, if we can just be taking our seats um, and calming ourselves ready to, uh, to come and worship our God this morning. It's lovely to see you all on this bright, sunny morning. Um, no weather reports, it's fine. Um, so uh, let's, let's come this morning to, to praise and worship our God. Uh, for those of you joining us on Zoom, we just pray that you'll have a wonderful time uh, joining us remotely. Um, and uh, later on, Mark's going to be doing a, a youth talk, as always, um, and, um, and Martin's going to be speaking later. And we're continuing on in our series. Um, so uh, we look forward to hearing what God's going to do. Are you ready this morning to come and worship God? Yes, fantastic. Um, we're doing what may be for some a new song, um, but it will become uh, one of our favourites very quickly. Um, and um, let's remember what key I'm doing this morning. Right, so um, if, it's, if it's not familiar to you, it will soon become that. Let's stand and let's worship our God together. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. Yeah. Let's try getting the fingers working. We worship the God who was, we worship the God who is, we worship the God who evermore will be. He opened the prison doors, he parted the raging sea, our God, he holds the victory. There's joy in the house of the Lord, there's joy in the house of the Lord today, and we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise, there's joy in the house of the Lord, our God is surely in this place, and we won't be quiet, we shout out your praise. We sing to the God who heals, we sing to the God who saves, we sing to the God who always makes a way. He hung upon that cross, then he rose up from that grave. My God, still rolling stones away. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. We were the beggars, now we're royalty. We were the prisoners, now we're running free. We are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by His grace. Let the house of the Lord sing praise. We were the beggars, now we're we were the prisoners, now we're running free. We are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by His grace. Let the house of the Lord sing praise. Sing praise! There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. 
We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. We shout out your praise. We shout out your praise. That was good. It broke my plectrum. Oh. <laughs> Water, you turn into wine. Open the eyes of the blind. There's no one like you. None like you. Into the darkness you shine. Out of the ashes we rise. There's no one like you. Like you, our God is greater, our God is stronger, but you are higher than any other. Our God is healer, awesome in power, our God, our God. Into the darkness you shine Out of the ashes we rise There's no one like you None like you Our God is greater Our God is stronger God you are higher than any other Our God is healer Awesome in power, our God, our God. And if our God is for us, then who could ever stop us? And if our God is with us, then what could stand against? And if our God is for us, then who could ever stop us? And if our God is with us, then what could stand against? What could stand against? 
God is greater, our God is stronger. God, you are higher than any other. Our God is healer, awesome in power. Our God, our God, our God is greater, our God is stronger. God, you are higher than any other. Our God is healer, awesome in power. Our God, our Amen. Our God is stronger. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. We've been singing that our God is healer, awesome in power. Um, very quick testimony from Ruby, but it just ties in with this theme. So Ruby, would you come and just share about your brother and how we've been praying and what God's done? That would be amazing. Hello, everybody. Hello. For everybody that doesn't know me, I'm Ruby. Hi, Ruby. For everybody that does, hello. <laughs> um, right, 13 days ago, um, I had a phone call from my brother, one of my brothers. I'm one of 11 children. Um, I know. <laughs> um, so my brother called me and he said, you need to get to the hospital. Our brother Ruben is in a bad way. So immediately get in the car go to the hospital, um, I found out when I was, he was in intensive care unit, he had a car accident at 5am in the morning and he had a broken spinal cord and a broken arm and a punctured lung. Um, he actually walked from the car accident to home with a broken spine and a broken arm. He then got home and medicated himself with some backstreet brought prescription tablets um, that weren't prescribed from his country, they were from another country. And he took so many because he was in so much pain and just wanted it gone. His girlfriend was saying, let's go to the hospital, let's go. He refused. Um, and at five, six o'clock in the morning, she'd found him dead. Um, she called the ambulance. They resuscitated him, brought him back to life. Um, he then passed away again. The ambulance got there and they put those shocker things on him and brought him back again. And that was 13 days ago today. They said when I'd got to the hospital, prepare for the worst, but hope for the best because your brother is not in a good place. Now, I was in this hospital with probably 30 to 35 um, of my family, and I was the only saved person there. And I prayed all the way there. I sent a prayer message out to everybody that I know. Um, everybody's been praying for him. And then the night before last, I'd got a message to say that my brother has woken up bearing in mind he was on 100% oxygen and fully sedated. They said that they'd never sedated a person as much as they'd sedated him because he was in such a bad way. Um, and he was not breathing for himself at all. So he had 100% oxygen. They lowered the oxygen day by day and today is day 13. And my brother spoke to me on the phone yesterday and all he could say was, I love you so much. Thank you for praying for me. I love you so much. And I was like, when you get out, we're gonna to go to church. And he was like, I'm definitely coming to church. And I was like, yeah, I was like, the only reason that you're still here is because of God. And today when I leave here, I'm gonna go and visit him and spend the day with him in hospital. But not only that is I go on holiday tonight to Mexico and I took out some insurance in case I had to cancel. And I was praying about it, praying about it. And I said, Lord, I just want him to wake up. As long as I know he's awake, I know he's gonna be okay and that I can leave. And the night before last, he woke up. And yesterday he's talking, and again today he's talking. So in it, 
what I've seen in the past 13 days has been nothing else but a miracle. And I would really like to thank Bob and Mike for being such support to me and everybody else in here that have been praying for him because he is truly a miracle. If there's ever one that I've seen, I saw one with him. So I would just like to thank every single one of you for praying. Prayers are answered. Yes. Glory to God. All the glory and all the honour to God. And I thank you so much, my Lord, for everything you're doing in all of our lives. Amen. Thank you. Follow that, Mark. <laughs> I will hand over to Mark now. <laughs> Just an easy one to follow, Mark. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Yeah, thanks for that, Ruby. <laughs> so, yeah, a bit after the Lord Mayor's show, but anyway, we'll, we'll crack on, shall we? Um, so, in Emerge on Sunday, today, we're looking at the story of the feeding of 5,000. Another miracle. Yeah. Um, and our theme is giving. So, I thought I'd talk a little bit about giving and uh, but as I was reflecting on the story we all know the story don't we yeah Jesus was preaching all day out in the fields 5,000 men there got late everyone got hungry the disciples found a boy with two small fish and five small loaves but I was thinking about this and I wondered because there were 5,000 men there, the Bible says. Some of them probably brought their wives, their children. Some women may have gone on their own, but they weren't counted. So there might have been, I don't know, 10,000, 15,000, 20,000 people there. Did only one small boy have the foresight to bring a picnic? <laughs> Out of 20,000 people, if, if you're a parent and you're going out for the family with your, your family for a walk or whatever you're doing, wouldn't you take some food with you? But the Bible says the disciples only found one small boy who was willing to share. So I wondered, maybe the other people, they had bought picnics, but they didn't want to give up their own food, did they? Maybe they were worried about how much they'd have left if they shared it with anyone else. I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. The Bible says the disciples found one small boy. The rest of the crowd, maybe they didn't want to give what they had to Jesus. But the small boy did. He didn't have very much. He had five small loaves and two small fish. But he was willing and prepared to give everything to Jesus. He didn't have very much, as I said. So I guess the rest of the people shouldn't, and, and we shouldn't be worried about giving, should we? Because Jesus can do amazing things with what little we give. Jesus uses it and multiplies it, just like he did with the loaves and the fish. Um, so I've got a little demonstration here to help us understand a bit. I've got 
a glass. Well, it's plastic, actually. Um, and this represents you and me. This represents me. Um, and in the glass, there's some water, but I put some food colouring in it so we can see it a little bit better. And this is all the stuff that we've got in our lives. So our skills, our talents, our money. And this, as you can see, this is me. I haven't got very much. Some of us may have more. Some of us may have less. But Jesus asks us to give our all to him, doesn't he? And not to worry about what we're, we're going to do afterwards. So if we're followers of Jesus, we should trust him and give our all to him. And that's what we're going to do now. So I've also got a bottle, empty bottle. Uh, this represents Jesus. And I'm just going to pour this everything that I have into the bottle and see what happens. So I'm giving everything to Jesus. And what Jesus does is he takes what little I have and he multiplies it and he multiplies it and he multiplies it. And he uses what we give for his purposes. Doesn't he? But it's still going. He's still multiplying. Jesus can do amazing things, as we've heard from Ruby this morning. So are we like the small boy prepared to give everything to Jesus so that he can use what we give? And that can be our time, our talents, our money. It can be anything. Or are we worried about what we'll have left? Because I wonder if you've ever felt worried about giving because you're worried about what you have left, what you're, how you'll survive. You're worried about your time and your money. I know I have. But again, we shouldn't be worried because the Bible says he will give us everything that we need and more. And I've got another little demonstration here to help us think about that. Um, but I do need, <laughs> I do need Rachel. <laughs> okay, Rachel, I'm going to give you this bit of card. I've got a green theme going on today, as you can see. I'm going to give you this bit of card. Okay. Rachel, I want you to count the corners on your card. How many corners have you got? Four. Four. She's got four corners. Okay. So let's imagine I'm God. I'm not God, by the way. <laughs> and the corners on Rachel's bit of card represent all the stuff that she's got to give. Rachel, I'm going to give you a pair of scissors. Be very careful with them. I want you to cut one of the corners off and give it to me. Just cut straight diagonally across. That's it. Okay, can you give that to me? Okay, so Rachel's given me one of her corners. Rachel, can you count your corners? I've got five corners. But you've just given me one. You had four. You've given me one. You've got five. Do another corner. Do another corner. <laughs> Give that to me. How many corners have you got? Six. Do another corner. 
<laughs> In fact, both, do both the other corners. Okay, give them to me. So, you started off with four corners. You've given me, well, you've given God all four of your corners. How many corners have you got left? Eight. You've got eight corners left. Because the Bible says, if you give me your all, Rachel's given me all four of her corners. God will repay you. God will give back and honor your giving. And you will have everything that you need and more. Because, you know, I'm not talking prosperity gospel here, by the way. We don't give so that we can receive. We give out of love and out of thanks for everything that Jesus has given us. But he will give us everything that we need and more. You see, we cannot outgive God. We might try, but we can't outgive God. So this morning, I challenge you, are we going to be like the crowd and worry about how much we're going to give to God? Or like Rachel or the small boy, we're going to give everything that we've got to God. Thank you. Thank you, Rachel. Well done, Mark. <laughs> Thanks, very pertinent. Thank you, Mark, for that. It's amazing. So now it's time for the young people to go to their groups um, if they want to make their exit. And if whoever's got the offering, can they bring that up as well, please? Thanks, thanks, Pete. Let me just put it down on the front. Yeah. Let's pray as they go out. Father God, we thank you for our young people. We thank you for their enthusiasm. We thank you for their love for you. We pray for their leaders as, as they go out this morning, Lord, that you, they would just be enabled to, to share your gospel, to share your word, to share the stories of, of what you did so that they may be... Um, they may be part of, of each young person, Lord. They may, they may know you more. Father God, we also thank you for the offering. We thank you for the money that you've given to us to, be, to help us to be generous givers. Lord, we just heard about giving our all and giving more. Lord, help us to be generous in what we give. And Lord, would you use it to just extend your kingdom, we ask. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's, uh, let's come and, uh, and just continue our worship uh, to worship our God. one day 
day in your house, better is one day in your courts and thousands elsewhere. Better is one day in your courts, better is one day in your house, better is one day in your courts, thousands elsewhere, thousands elsewhere. One thing I ask and I would seek to see your beauty, to find you in the place your glory dwells. Better is one day in your courts, better is one day in your house, better is one day in your courts and thousands elsewhere better is one day in your courts better is one day in your house better is one day in your courts and thousands elsewhere and thousands elsewhere my heart and flesh cry out for you the living god your spirit's water for my soul i've tasted and i've seen come once again to me i will draw near to you i will draw near to you better is one day in your courts better is one day in your house better is one day Courts thousands elsewhere. Better is one day in your courts. Better is one day in your house. Better is one day in your courts thousands elsewhere. Better is one day in your courts. Better is one day in your house. Better is one day in your courts thousands elsewhere. Better is one day in your courts. Better is one day in your house. Better is one day in your courts than thousands elsewhere. Than thousands elsewhere. Than thousands elsewhere. Than thousands elsewhere. Thousands elsewhere. Holy, holy.
Just lift up our voices to him this morning.
You want to just bring your praises before God. Mark's walking around with the microphone. If you want to speak, just raise your hand. Well, what a privilege it is to come into your presence this morning. To sing those words of praise and adoration. To declare that you are our Lord, you are our God. We're a holy God. If it wasn't for Jesus, we wouldn't be able to come into your presence, Lord. But because of Jesus, because of the forgiveness of our sins, because of that restoration of the relationship with you, Father, we can come into your presence. And we can acknowledge your goodness, Lord. We're just hearing the story of the miracle there with Reuben, Lord. We really could pray that you're going to continue on there, Lord. You're a mighty God. You can do amazing things, Lord, far more than we can ask or even deserve, Lord. But you're a loving God. You pour out your blessings on us day by day. Hallelujah for being our God, our Lord, our Savior. Praise your name, Lord. Amen. God's kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. His dominion endures throughout all generations. God is faithful in all his words and gracious in all his deeds. The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up those who are bowed down. The Lord is just in all his ways and kind in all his doings. The Lord preserves all who love him but the wicked he will destroy. Let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Your word says, dear Lord, that you love a joyful giver. And Father, we are joyful because you gave us, that's why we give back to you, because you love us. You gave us everything we need. Give us new life. Our sins are dealt with. We are set free to worship you as we were created. So we rejoice, we give back to you joyfully because you're a wonderful, awesome God. Amen. Amen. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege mm. where we now stand. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. Amen. Amen. Let's hear from the word of God this morning. Please be seated. 
So continuing on um, in Acts 3, just double checking. <laughs> One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. How many of us go out to pray at 3 in the afternoon? Anyway. <laughs> now, a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was going where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave him his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While the beggar held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in a place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, Men of Israel, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has given him complete healing to him, as you can all see. Now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders. But this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that this Christ would suffer. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Christ who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. He must remain in heaven until the time comes for, to restore everything, as he has promised long ago through his holy prophets. For Moses said, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You must listen to everything he tells you. Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from among his people. Indeed, all the prophets from Samuel on, as many have spoken, have foretold these days. And you are heirs of the prophets and, you are covenant, and of the covenant God made with your fathers. He said to Abraham, through your offspring, all peoples on earth will be blessed. When God raised up his servant, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. Lord, we just ask now that as Martin comes to speak, fill him again with your Holy Spirit. Lord, help us to hear from you this morning. Help us to respond to you. Lord, open our ears, open our eyes, open our hearts, open our lives to you now, we ask. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Steve, and the worship team. Great time of worship this morning, wasn't it? Fantastic. Wonderful to be uh, in God's presence. Um, so I want to look today at the, the purpose of miracles. Um, so timely testimony, uh, Ruby, thank you. 
Great stuff. Um, I was just reading this week, um, uh, apparently in the States, 64% uh, of doctors in the States um, believe in or have experienced uh, miracles in the course of their practice. Um, that, that the study didn't say whether they were Christians or not Christians, but just that 64% of American doctors believe in or have experienced uh, miracles in their, in their work, which I thought was a fascinating statistic. Um, so what is a miracle? Well, um, Wayne Grudem in his large systematic theology, I think helpfully uh, defines a miracle in this way. A miracle is a less common kind of God's activity in which he arouses people's awe and wonder and bears witness to himself. Um, if you're a Christian and you're here today, you are here because of miracles, a number of miracles. Um, the grand miracle, as C.S. Lewis put it, is the incarnation, that Jesus should come in the form of a human being. God in incarnate is the biggest and grandest miracle. And then, of course, the resurrection. You wouldn't be sitting here today worshipping if Jesus were not alive and reigning in heaven. Uh, uh, need I mention some of the miracles of the Old Testament, the parting of the Red Sea, the fall of Jericho. Um, need I mention Jesus' healing miracles to you, the cleansing of lepers, the casting out of demons, uh, what about the miracle natures of Jesus, walking on water, calming the storm, raising the dead, so on and so forth? What about unusual answers to prayer? Are they miracles? Well, apparently so, according to Wayne Grudem's definition, if a miraculous answer to prayer arouses people's awe and wonder and bears witness to God, then it is a miraculous answer to prayer. I don't know about you, but it would be hard not to be in awe and wonder hearing about Reuben. Amen? And uh, miraculous answers to prayer are throughout the scriptures, aren't they? Um, Elijah's prayer that God would send fire from heaven. And fire fell and burned up the water and all the offerings. Um, Elijah's prayer for the dead son would come back to life and he did elijah's prayer for rain after a three and a half year drought and we see in the book of kings just the the hat the cloud the size of a fist growing in size and then a torrential downpour of rain and what about in the new testament the miraculous release of peter from prison by angels as a result of the church praying for peter's release I could go on and on and on this morning, couldn't I? On the other hand, uh, Christians see answers to prayer every day. So we shouldn't water down our definition of a miracle, so much so that every answer to prayer is called a miracle. So if I pray to God to help me to find my keys, you could say, well, in, uh, that is a minor miracle, but I, I wouldn't want to put that in the class of a miracle. I would just put that in the class of an answer to prayer. 
But when an answer to prayer inspires awe and wonder and bears witness to the power of God, then it's a miracle. And the story of the man crippled from birth being uh, healed completely surely is a miraculous answer to Peter's commanding prayer. I use the word commanding because he doesn't muck about in this prayer. He says, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. There's not a lot of doubt going on there, is there? Now, so you don't have to listen to me waffling on about miracles. It's much better to listen to testimony, to be honest, isn't it? I'm going to give you a little bit of uh, application, but I want, I'm going to invite Marilyn and Peter to come and share testimony that's far, far more interesting and powerful than me telling you about it. So why don't you come? Good morning. Good morning, everybody. <laughs> okay. Um, miracles really happened today. Thank you, Lord. Um, before I begin, this does come with a health warning for the squeamish. <laughs> but you need to understand how bad it was and how the miracle took place. I have written this down as Peter has very little recollection of what happened over this That's time. True. But I did write it all down. As most of you know, Peter has rheumatoid arthritis and in 2016, he had bad times when it was difficult for him to do anything. And a couple of separate times he fell and hit his head, resulting in a trip to A&E. Then Tuesday the 13th of December, he couldn't even get from his chair to the bed without a lot of help. And by Thursday the 15th of December, he couldn't do anything and he started to lean over on the left side without realising, so I phoned for an ambulance. At the hospital, a CT scan showed he had a chronic subdural hematoma. This is when the blood collects between the skull and surface of the brain. First fall and hitting his head caused a bleed there, and then the second fall caused another bleed. There was so much blood, it was putting pressure on his brain and Peter needed an operation. I sent a prayer chain to Pat and I knew everyone here and our family would be praying for him. Our younger son, Ross, was in New Zealand and chose that exact moment to FaceTime, so he was praying as well. Peter was admitted to St. Peter's Hospital, awaiting to be transferred to St. George's Hospital for this operation. So Lisa took me home to her house at midnight. The following morning, Friday the 16th of December, our three grandchildren were getting ready for school and Jude opened his advent calendar and read me his text, which was trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Thank you, Lord. I went back to the hospital and Peter's left side was getting worse and he had trouble lifting his arm. At this point, I did keep asking when he was going to be transferred. Finally, 10 p.m., the ambulance arrived to take Peter to St George's and our son Paul drove me up there behind the ambulance. The doctor explained that the CT scan showed a large bleed, then another smaller bleed on top. 
The next morning, Saturday the 17th of December, I was sitting in the kitchen with our daughter Lisa and granddaughter Gracie when I had a call from the neurosurgeon to say he was going to operate, maybe today or tomorrow. I told him every time I see Peter, he has deteriorated and last night he couldn't move his arm or leg on the left side. His immediate answer was, I'll do it today. The surgeon explained there were risks with this operation, but I knew there, were no, there was no alternative. After that call, Lisa and Gracie prayed with me and I just felt God is in control. Thank you, Lord. The surgeon said the two bleeds on the right side were pressing down on his brain and the skull is hard, so the collection of blood has nowhere to press other than on the brain. And this means the left side of the body does not work. So early afternoon, the surgeon operated and drilled two holes into Peter's skull to drain the blood, which took two days to drain all the blood out. Paul took me to St. George's 7pm after the operation and Peter was awake and seemed really good. All the doctors repeatedly asked him if he had a headache, but he never had a headache and I don't think they could understand why he didn't. The following day, Sunday the 18th of December, he could even move his left arm slightly and the next day he no longer felt dizzy and the physio had him shuffling along. Wednesday the 21st of December, late afternoon, we drove Peter home and six days later he had the 18 staples taken out of his head. How wonderful. This was a miracle and a real answer to prayer. Thank you, Lord. Sunday 25th of December, Christmas Day, with Peter in a wheelchair, we made it to church a little late and when Martin got up to speak and saw Peter, he said how wonderful it was to have him back. Everyone turned round and you all clapped. <laughs> Fast forward two months and back to St George's for a checkup. The neurosurgeon looked again at Peter's original CT scan and then at him and said, Peter had made his day being fully recovered as so many people do not fully recover. We know that all through this, God was with us and this was a miracle for sure. Never give up on praying for others. God loves to bless us and miracles will happen. Mm. Thank you. That was a life-saving miracle for me. And here I am, seven, over seven years later, still fighting fit. But it's only because of the God intervention. I'd like now to tell you of a very recent miracle that happened to me just two weeks ago, which had long this, uh, sorry, I must, I must read this rather than go off text. Um, it happened to me just two weeks ago, which I long since considered impossible. I truly believe this is an answer to prayer. Our God is a prayer answering, mountain moving miracle worker. Let me explain. Many of you will know that one of my knee replacements, um, which was done five years ago, was disastrously unsuccessful. As a result, I've been on crutches and in wheelchairs ever since. 
the orthopedic department at Ashford and St Peter's would only tell me there was nothing further they could do except revision surgery, which they considered to be far too risky. Meanwhile, the knee has progressively deteriorated and become more unstable and painful. So a year ago, I saw an independent top orthopaedic consultant surgeon in the Frimley NHS Trust. He immediately identified the problem and straight away offered to do the necessary revision surgery. That was March last year. The operation was scheduled for July. July came and went. Nothing happened. Then followed my regular phone calls to find out about a date for the surgery. It was always in the future by at least four months. However, making my usual low expectation phone call on Friday the 9th of February this year, I pleaded my deteriorating case yet again and I asked, how can I get a higher priority? I was told the only way to do that was to go back to the GP and get another referral. I knew just how difficult that would be. My heart sank. It was Friday afternoon and I decided to do nothing and leave it till Monday. It felt it really felt like it was time to give up and just be patient and wait. Then, quite unexpectedly, three hours after that call, the same voice came on and said, I've got some good news for you. You have an appointment for the surgery on March the 8th with the head consultant. I was literally speechless. I couldn't believe it at first. In fact, it wasn't until I had the letter confirming it the following day that I was sure it was real. Just four weeks from the time of my call. Wow, that really is a miracle. Things just don't happen like that in the NHS. Just four weeks. Thank you, Lord. I truly believe this was a small miracle compared with my life-saving miracle but it's still a miracle of the Holy Spirit's intervention that moved the appointment secretary so that she would take the time and do whatever was needed to give my case a very high priority. This may not be an instant healing miracle, but it is definitely a miracle of the work of the Holy Spirit. It, I was in awe and wonder at what had happened because I just hadn't believed it up to that point. Prayer does change things. Thank you for your faithful prayers for me over a long period of time. Please do, do continue as there are still challenges ahead for me. Good news is that miracles do happen today, both great and small, as answers to our prayers. Amen. Thank you. Thank you both so much. That was absolutely brilliant. So good. And thank you to Ruby too for sharing earlier. Um, powerful testimonies. Bless you. So miracles can sometimes be um, like more like the, the healing ones in Acts 3. But as we've seen and heard, miracles can also be miraculous 
answers to prayer that inspire awe and wonder and point us to Jesus. So I just want to make a couple of brief points this morning. Uh, First point, miracles sometimes happen as a result of a number of spiritual gifts. Um, Obviously, Peter and John as apostles had the, were given by Jesus the gifts of uh, miracles and healings. Um, So we see Peter performing numerous miracles through the book of Acts. For example, in Acts 9, a disciple named Tabitha became sick and died. Peter was called to pray for her. He commanded her to get up and straight away she opened her eyes and sat up. And as a result of that miracle, people came to faith and believed in Jesus. But here in the book of Acts, in Acts 3, we see alongside the gifts of healing and miracles that Peter was exercising, we see the gift of faith, which is also a spiritual gift. So when Peter saw the man crippled from birth at the temple gate, look at what he does. Then Peter said, looking at the man, silver or gold I do not have, but what I give you, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. That's a commanding prayer. That's a prayer of command, isn't it? Um, And it comes as a result of a supernatural gift of faith. So when Peter looked at the man crippled from birth, over 40 years old, he had a certainty from the Holy Spirit that God would heal him instantly if he prayed for him. So he didn't mess around. He commanded healing. It was a response to God's sure and certain gift of faith. Jesus refers to this gift of faith in Mark chapter 11. Have faith in God, Jesus answered. I tell you the truth. If anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believes, what he says will happen. It will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Jesus is talking about a gift of faith here, a supernatural gift of faith that God sometimes gives that the impossible will happen. Miracles like this are not supposed to happen in a kind of rational world, are they? People don't come back to life in a normal, rational viewpoint. But God is a God of the impossible. And so when God gives a gift of faith, mountains can be moved, right? So long as we respond to that gift of faith. We see the same principle at work in James chapter 5, where the elders are being called for somebody who's seriously ill and sick. James says, if is any one of you sick, he should call the elders. So if you're seriously ill, you should call the elders. Command. Elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. So what's that all about? Again, the gift of faith is operating here. This is not prescriptive. This is descriptive of a particular situation that can happen so that the gift of faith can be given when elders are praying for somebody who's very, very sick. And that's a supernatural gift of certainty that God is going to answer a prayer in a miraculous way. Um, I said this before, but most of the time when I come to pray for people, I don't receive a gift of faith. I have 
on several occasions received a gift of faith. But it doesn't happen as often as I'd like, all right? Just going to say that. But the one time I remember, it was actually with, was with my wife Sarah, Sarah had um, torn ligaments in her foot and uh, we'd been given a boot, you know, those boots you have to wear for weeks and weeks and weeks. And we were sitting uh, praying about it and God gave me a gift of faith. God simply said, you need to pray for healing. And so we took the boot off, we prayed for healing and Sarah um, wasn't completely healed, but she was able to move around freely with a tiny bit of pain without the boot. So there are times when God gives a gift of faith that he's going to answer a prayer in a miraculous, specific way. So then we can command healing. But it is pastorally dangerous to go commanding healing where God has not given the gift of faith. It is dangerous. It does damage to people's faith. We should only be commanding faith, commanding healing miraculously where God has given a gift of faith for that healing. Otherwise, the person we're praying for feels, oh, I've got no faith, I've failed. But praise God that he gives us a gift of faith. Praise God, Marilyn, that your lovely grandchild gave you a text. And that text kept you going, praying all the way through Peter's treatment. God gave you the gift of faith to stay faithful in praying for Peter. And God did a miracle. Peter's still here and telling us a testimony. So the promise in James 5 is not a carte blanche promise that every time the elders are called, there'll be a miraculous healing, right? Although I have seen miraculous healings when the elders have been called, praise God. Several of you are sitting right in front of me now. I'm looking at you, Janine. <laughs> Sometimes God does grant a gift of faith and he does miraculously heal, but not every time. Sometimes God gives a word of knowledge and he says, I bet you've had this experience. You've been praying for a physical condition and God just says into your ear forgiveness. And you say to the person, you need to forgive somebody before you can enter into a place of receiving physical healing. And the person goes, yeah, I'm still angry. I'm still resentful of somebody. I need to forgive. So in this situation in James, the person needed to forgive someone in order to receive a miraculous healing. So when we come to pray for somebody, whether it's physical healing, emotional healing, we should be asking the Holy Spirit, what do you want to do here? Don't just rush into prayer. Wait, listen. Ask the Spirit, do you have a word of knowledge to help me pray here? Holy Spirit, do you have a gift of faith that there's going to be a miracle here? Give it to me if you do. Is there a prophecy? Is there a, a picture? What do you want to give me to help me to pray for this person? We don't want to just rush in with our words, do we? We want to pray God's words, God's intention, God's will into this person's life. Second point, miracles inspire awe and wonder and bear witness to Jesus. As a result of the miraculous healing of the man, we learn, verse 9, when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the man who used to sit begging, and they were filled with awe and wonder at what had happened. Um, awe and wonder, though, isn't enough, is it? It's not enough. Because it all goes wrong after this, verses 11 and 12. They're in awe and wonder, and then they go chasing after Peter and John. 
when the beggar held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to the men of Israel, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness, we have made this man walk? Peter's saying, it's not about us. Please don't hang on to us. Don't follow us around. We're nothing special. It's about Jesus and his power and authority. Amen? In fact, Peter used the opportunity, as Peter and Marilyn and Ruby have done this morning, to point to Jesus. Look at what Peter does. Verse 15. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witness of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man who you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has given this complete healing to him, as you, your, as you can all see. So when you see a miraculous answer to prayer, it's not an end in itself. It's an opportunity for you to say to your work colleagues, friends, family, God granted a miracle because of Jesus. In case they think you're some kind of spooky weirdo healer, right? And there's plenty of them around, aren't there? But we're not into that. We're into Jesus. The name, authority, and power of Jesus. It's all for him. It's all for his glory. Actually, awe and wonder isn't it enough. Repentance is what Peter calls them to. Peter could have gone, oh, guys, yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah, it's good, isn't it? Thank you. But actually, what does he say? He says, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out when, when the times of refreshing may come from the Lord. He's got their attention and miracles happened, but he doesn't, it's not about Peter. He says, turn to the Lord. Don't just be amazed, repent. He's like a signpost, isn't he? Pointing to Jesus. Don't look at me, Jesus. Repent, turn away from your old life, turn away from sin, turn towards Jesus. And you know what, if you do that, you can receive times of refreshing. You can be refreshed by peace, joy, forgiveness through the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, repentance is a word that God is drilling into us as a church at the moment right? Repentance is not just something that you do when you first become a Christian, okay? Repentance is a lifestyle for the Christian. We have to go on turning away from the old habits, the old ways, the old sin, and we have to go on turning to Jesus. It's a battle, right? But if we'll do that, if we'll keep killing sin and decluttering it from our lives, do you know what? We will receive refreshing from the Holy Spirit. Anybody want that? Yes. We can't keep going with the old habits. We can't keep cluttering up our lives with the sin. We have to turn away from sin daily, ask for forgiveness, get forgiven, and we have to commit to following Christ and to living and keeping in step with the Spirit. If we will declutter our lives of sin, the Holy Spirit will pour out more and more fullness and refreshing into our lives. It's what Eric was telling us on Wednesday, isn't it? Same thing, same message. Do you think God's trying to get our attention here? Yeah. 
Repentance is something, folks, that we need to do. If you are harboring resentment or anger or unforgiveness for something that somebody said or did 30 years ago or last week, you are not going to experience the full refreshing power of the Holy Spirit. You won't. God has more for you, but you've got to, you've got to deal with it. You've got to forgive that person. You've got to ring that person, get hold of that person and say, I forgive you. you um, I need to talk to you about the way that you hurt me 37 years ago or last week. And I want to be reconciled with you because I want the oil of the Holy Spirit to be poured out on the church. I want to preserve the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. And I want you and I to be refreshed and filled with the Holy Spirit. I don't want my unforgiveness, anger, bitterness, resentment to block the work of the Holy Spirit in me or in the church. So if you need to forgive somebody, do it. Don't make excuses for it. You pastor, you don't know how much they hurt me. Sorry, not about me. It's not about the pastor. Jesus says, forgive and you will be forgiven. You will receive refreshing. Um, I'm, I'm hammering this because I believe God has work for us to do. I believe there's people who are holding on to unforgiveness and anger and resentment and are refusing to forgive. And I want you to know the refreshing fullness of the spirit. But you have something to do. You see, in James 5, you'll notice that it says about the one who forgives will be healed, right? There's a link sometimes between physical healing and forgiveness particularly we don't forgive we won't necessarily receive physical healing in its fullness or any other type of uh, healing so that's my soapbox I'm, I'm off it now I'm, I'm happy I've got it off my chest so the purpose of miracles today is to get people's attention not just to cause them more and wonder, but to get their attention so that they repent and turn to Christ. This is how the early church prayed, Acts 4 verse 30. Stretch out your hand, they prayed, to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. Why did they pray that? They prayed that because miracles get people's attention and give an opportunity for the gospel to be preached so that people are called to repent and turn to Christ and be saved, right? Miracles are not an end in themselves. They're not there so that we can have a party and feel good about ourselves. Miracles are there to point people to Jesus, to open up the world of the supernatural that people would turn to Christ. So we should pray this prayer, shouldn't we? Stretch out your hand, Lord, to heal and perform miraculous signs inside the church and outside the church. Because there are non, there are unbelievers in the church and there are un, more unbelievers outside the church. So we want miracles inside the church and outside the church, don't we? So get praying for your work colleagues. Get praying for your family members who are not Christians. Get praying for your friends, neighbors who are not Christians. It's a great witness to pray for people, by the way, who are not Christians. Very few people will say, please don't pray for me. Don't go, yeah, whatever, please do. Because people are desperate. And, you know, let's see some miracles. 
Let's ask God to stretch out his hand and perform miraculous signs and wonders that the answers to prayer that our non-Christian friends, family members, work colleagues get are miraculous and point to Jesus. Do we have faith for this this morning? Are you going to pray for opportunities to pray for your non-Christian family, friends, work colleagues, neighbours? Because if you will get serious like that, if you will exercise that kind of faith and ask God to stretch out his hand, do you know what? He just might. <laughs> well, we, we know he does, don't we? We know he does. Why wouldn't he? Why wouldn't he want to point people to Jesus? Why wouldn't he want people to turn to Jesus and be saved? Why wouldn't God use miracles for that purpose? He's a good God. He loves people. He wants them to be saved. So he's going to want to do miracles. Just pure, plain logic, isn't it? Look, I know there's people who've got operations coming up, but I hope Peter's testimony has given you faith, if you're facing an operation soon, to pray for God's miraculous intervention. May even, some of you might even call me to pray for you, and along with the elders, and the anointing oil can come out again. Amen. I'll leave that with you. Um, I want us to just respond in prayer this morning. Um, Holy Spirit, come and uh, do what you want to do here this morning. Lord, if there are gifts of faith, we invite you to give them. Lord, if there are words of knowledge for a particular type of healing, we ask Holy Spirit that you'd give words of knowledge. Lord, if there's prophecy, we ask for prophecy, for pictures, for revelation. Lord, whatever it is you want to do here this morning, we ask that you would come, Holy Spirit, and reveal the Father's will to us and help us to respond to what it is you want to do among us. In Jesus' name, amen. So as we're singing um, this song, the final song, if God gives you a word of knowledge, if God reveals to you that there's somebody here who needs to be prayed for in a particular way through a word of knowledge would you come and share that with me and we'll get you to share that if god gives you a gift of faith we're going to be careful with those but I, again if you feel god has given you a gift of faith for somebody come and come and share with me if you feel a prophetic word or a picture Come and share it with me and we'll share it with the wider congregation. We want to hear from God this morning. We want to pray into his will and we want to hear from the Holy Spirit. Amen. So let's stand and as we're singing, as we're singing, if, if God is giving you revelation, come and I'm just going to stand down the front here off the stage. Just come and share it with me and then we'll share it with the wider congregation. Let's stand. Let's stand. And sing. Yeah.
shared in the sermon that there's I, I believe there's someone here who maybe maybe more than one who needs to go and do business with somebody you're out of fellowship with somebody you've been um, harboring anger and resentment for years and years and it's time to sort that out it's time to forgive 
and to seek to reconcile that relationship so that you can experience and they can experience the full refreshing power and fullness of the Holy Spirit. So go and do business with that person. Give them a ring, meet up with them, sort it out. Don't sit on it and ignore God's command in that respect. I'm just going to invite again. Is there anybody who has a word of knowledge or for a particular type of healing this morning or a prophetic word or anything you want to share? Revelation? Doesn't matter if there isn't. We just want to. Yes. Thank you. So come to me, all you are weary and burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Matthew 11, 28 to 30. So if that's you, um, why not at the end of the service, before you go through for coffee, why don't you come forward onto the front here and the prayer team would love to pray that the burden, whatever the burden is, would be lifted off and that you would experience more peace. So prayer team, be ready to respond to that, to, to that word. Thank you. Anybody else? Bless you. Thank you, Jen. So somebody struggling to keep their head above the water, love to pray with you. If that's you, that God would help you and uh, intervene for you. So there's a number of words there for you to respond to. Uh, otherwise, go and pick up kids and uh, go next door for coffee. Um, we will remain in here and pray. Keep this a place of prayer. Let me pray. Lord, thank you for your presence with us this morning. Thank you, Lord, that you're a miracle-working, mountain-moving God. And we ask, Lord, that you'd continue to help us to walk in faith this today and in the coming days. Bless us now, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Steve.